Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're listening to Gamers Wanted, a podcast where we talk to gamers about how gaming influenced their lives. And I'm your host, Derek. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for being on Gamers Wanted, Adrian. Introduce yourself to the audience. Yeah, my name is Adrian Gutierrez. Um, I actually have a background in science, so I got my undergraduate in genetics. Wanted to go to med school, got into car accident, plans changed. Got an opportunity to go into marketing. Uh, I've been in it since then, and now I've transitioned into like actually being involved in games again. Um, started out gaming when I was really young. Obviously, I had two older brothers. Um, got a lot better than them very quickly to where I stopped playing with them. Uh, it led to arguments if I did, so... <laughs> Um, I remember like starting out and playing like Super Mario on the Super Nintendo, uh, then backtracking to like the NES and playing. It's like this Cobra. I feel like it's a Cobra six game or something like that, where you're just like two guys on a side scroller, just shooting your way through a level. We never did finish that because one of my brothers would always rage quit and you had to do two player. But the games I really grew up on. Uh, were Fire Emblem. So we would get like the English dub versions coming over from Japan before it became a big thing in the States. And then playing like World of Warcraft and Call of Duty and just like Halo. I remember so many friends coming over, my older my older brothers, they're like four years older than I am, that came over and we'd just have like Halo tournaments. So I've been gaming since I was little and I got back into it as a career finally after a kind of wayward journey. What was it about gaming that caught your interest? For me, um, and I had this conversation actually with my mother last night, so it's a little weird. But for me, it was the ability to be a little bit older. And when I say that, I mean, whenever I played, it didn't matter like how old I was, you know, or how young I was, like it just mattered my skill level. So it was a great equalizer. So I could just focus on proving myself to my gameplay. And it allowed me to be really competitive. It allowed me to just kind of like step into like what it meant to be at that level of trying to get better at something rather than just like playing a game normally for like fun. How did your parents feel about gaming when you were younger? Who? So the, like I said, this was a conversation I just had with my mother and she absolutely hated it. Right. She's of the generation that everything was outside and I balanced it fairly well. Like I just didn't play games 24 seven. Like I made sure I went outside but she absolutely hated it. My dad, though, like once he understood that I wasn't just playing to play, but I was playing because I wanted to get better at something. Like I said, every time I play a game, I always try to I always try to look at the avenue of like, how can I work on this one thing consistently over time to just get better at it over and over again? Once he saw that I had that mentality about it and I wasn't just endlessly staring at a screen, you know, for entertainment purposes solely. He got behind it. Unfortunately, he passed right before like I got married. So like and I I got married at 19, but he passed right before that. So like I've been gaming without like that influence for like the past like six, seven years. So where does gaming fit in your adult life? 
Like I said, I'm in a career right now where I support uh, predominantly gamers. Um, so I was at Mobilytics that they built a platform out for just a full on analytics of like your gameplay for League of Legends. Um, they work with a lot of like pro teams um, and they open up the product to, you know, just everyday players to figure out like their weaknesses and their strengths and, you know, how to address those and get better over time at it. Um, that opportunity opened up to where I am right now, which is a brand new startup that's been very successful for the past few months. Um, I'm liking where it's going. But right now I'm working with content creators specifically, uh, streamers that are trying to go like part time, full time. We've had some good success. Uh, we're building some case studies around it right now. And it's been it's been awesome getting back into it and being able to support you know, hundreds of people wanting to pursue like their passion of, you know, turning like their gaming, their game streams into like a career um, versus just focusing like solely on myself. It's like an order of magnitude kind of thing for me. Does your wife support your love for gaming? My wife does. Um, again, so when I was a kid, we traveled like so much my parents were missionaries uh so we grew up in like i grew up in like south america once we left the states when i was around like 10 11 um and i came back to the states at about 17 so during that whole entire time gaming was really all that i had um my brothers went into the military so it was just me and my my mother and my father for a bit um so gaming was all that I had. That's how I connected with people. That's how I honestly like stayed connected to like America, like understanding what was going on there, the culture um, even taught me how to like be really proficient with like communication with other people as well. Um, and kind of took me away from being like that nerdy homeschooled kid that didn't know how to talk to anybody. But with that being said, during that time, I got involved in World of Warcraft very heavily as well as Modern Warfare and Modern Warfare 2. And I was able to build a power leveling business, even though it's against terms of service in World of Warcraft, uh, that gave me really good income. And then I was able to be really competitive uh, as one of the raiders and get into like a sponsored guild. Um, and then I started like building up characters and selling them as well as like competing in Modern Warfare, like in like a online uh, major player battles, uh, like major gaming battles. I forget the specific name. So I drew enough income to where I had a really nice nest egg. And this is why my wife really supports it is I was able to pretty much purchase. I, I purchased the engagement ring. Um, I paid for a good portion of our wedding, everything like that based off what I did with gaming. So she already saw the validity of it. And now she actually she's gotten into gaming a little bit herself. She mainly plays like Destiny, uh, Destiny 2 and Mario Kart. So uh, she's gotten there. So for the parents that still feel like gaming is a waste of time, what type of advice would you give to them? You know, this is a question I actually get frequently uh, because my wife has an incredibly large family um, and a lot of them are younger. And, you know, they're growing up in a different era than, you know, even you and I did that gaming was still kind of on the fringe. It was barely becoming like a very major source of entertainment, very still on the fringe of like socially acceptable but now they're coming up and every kid, you know, is playing Fortnite. Every kid is playing Minecraft. Uh, every kid is, you know, just building their whole entire entertainment around that instead of TV. And this is something that her cousins and her aunts and uncles ask me all the time. And I always tell them, like, there's two things. You, If you're serious about wanting to support your kid, I mean, there's definitely a career path for them now. It's only going to get bigger. It's only going to get more well-defined, more supported. But there's something you got to look out for is if your kid is playing games just as an entertainment source and nothing else, and they're doing that 
endlessly and they're letting other things slip in their lives like relationships you know with their friends with their family whomever as well as like their grades and everything else like that uh, their other priorities in life that's a bad sign if the kid is able to focus on you know those other areas maintain them maybe not have that be the sole you know focus of you know what they're doing but then when they're playing the game, they're not just playing to play, but they're playing the game with something in mind, with a goal in mind. Um, I always tell people, you know, if you want your kid to succeed at anything, you know, and especially with gaming, whenever they're playing, they have to love the game, but they also have to want to improve at the game. So they're when they're playing, they have to be practicing something. That's really the difference that you see uh, with the kids that went to like the Fortnite competition and everything like that. They didn't just play Fortnite to play Fortnite. Every time they played Fortnite, they came in, they're like, okay, I want to get better at this. I want to get better at that. And they just continually did that over and over and over. They had a goal in mind. And that's why they are as good as they are versus the kid that just plays Fortnite over and over again and blames lag or blames the controller for dying, <laughs> you know? So... <laughs> Because of the freedom that gaming gave you to compete, regardless of your age, do you agree that kids should be able to play online freely with adults? You know, that's tough. Um, like I said, I have a son. Uh, he's almost two years old, and he absolutely loves watching me play. He's so enamored, like when I'm playing video games and uh, the little time that I do now, as well as even when I'm working, you know, so like. It's definitely something you can't avoid because it's such an equalizer. Like it just doesn't matter who you are. You can just get online and play and have access to the community. I think if you're a parent and your child is heavily involved in, you know, gaming community or game where they're actively talking with other people and engaging with them, you have to be the responsible party there. The other person is not going to police themselves because of anonymity that is granted to them by these platforms for the most part. Um, and also as the low barrier of entry, if they get banned, they can just, you know, go through a VPN, get on a different account, and then, you know, nothing happened. So it's very much on the parent to monitor what they're doing. And there's a story that I was talking to one of our community managers about a while back. And she told me, you know, because I was thinking about this, I'm like, is it a good for like our content? Is it good for us to try to approach children that are in the space that are thinking of like doing content creation? Because they're producing pretty unique content that reverberates across audiences because they've grown up in this culture more than I have. Um, and one of the things she told me was that there was a streamer, a kid that was streaming a while back and he experienced that he experienced that toxicity, you know, people on his stream, you know, just bullying him incredibly what well, like just, just phenomenally, you know, out of proportion, like it shouldn't have happened. Um, but instead of that kid quitting, you know, he came back. And when he came back, all these major streamers, like, I think it was like pool shark and a few others, um, just rated him and drew viewership his way. Um, and with that, it gave that kid like that push to be like, I want to keep on doing this. And then his dad got involved. And now his dad like monitors the stream, makes sure that nothing comes across, you know, that's toxic to the kid, you know, to take away from his love of like playing the game, creating content, entertaining people, and he's doing quite well. Um, so I wouldn't steer people away from it per se. I would just say as a parent, you have to be involved um, because of people just taking stuff too far. They don't monitor themselves. Um, and the toxicity is always going to be there in some shape or form. You know, um, as I said, most my brothers in the military, most of my family's in the military, too. I mean, like sometimes it's just normal people like they're just they say stuff. 
they don't really mean it. You know, it's just kidding around. That doesn't always come across, you know, in communications that well when you don't know the person. Do you feel like multiplayer was the initial trial grounds for how people act now on the Internet? Whew, that's a that's a solid question. Um, I think it was a good proving ground. Yes, I do. Um, I think it was what you see in social media now that it's not as new as it used to be. Uh, that all the barriers kind of come down and people try to be like more authentic. Whenever you're playing in multiplayer, like you really see people unfilter themselves because again of the anonymity. Um, and now that there's so many people in the world, so many people on these social media platforms, um, everything that you see is through the filter that they want you to see, right? Um, if you approach, you know, what I grew up in with people like in multiplayer, uh, like Modern Warfare, Modern Warfare 2, um, half those people aren't who they say they are, right? In the right. same way, social media, everything that you post on there is filtered through to make it look like you're living the best life possible. When in reality, I mean, it's not. It's just the moment you chose a capture of like the 30 hours of crap you're going through. So is there anything that can be done to improve the toxicity online or is it just the nature of the beast? <sighs> you know, I don't, I don't want to say it's the nature of the beast because there's always a solution. There's always something you can do to about it. Um, but I think that solution hasn't been found yet. Uh, like I said, there's such, there's such ease of access into getting back into the communities. That's it's incredibly hard to really hit someone where it hurts in the sense of like, even if you ban someone's account, like that they've spent 10,000 10, hours on, they're probably just going to come back with a new account, right? It doesn't really, it doesn't really hurt them that much. Um, I really think like to combat it is obviously a little bit more education, uh, having people understand, you know, that you, it's just, you, we're getting to the point where we're just also interconnected that you can't, you know, devalue relationships like that. Um, so I think it's a little bit more of like emotional intelligence that needs to come across with people, some education around that. Um, and there's probably things that game publishers can do to make sure that the ease of access to get back onto their platforms isn't as easy as it is right now. But again, that would be them having to, you know, affect their bottom dollar, which may not, you know, be as important, you know, in the long run for them. They'd rather have the money than, you know, potentially have a better community. Um, but as more people push for it, you see the reactions uh, coming across and like how Twitch bans are occurring and stuff like that too. Are there any predictions you have for esports? And what can't you predict about esports? Right? <laughs> um, I mean, you probably know this, Derek, but I could legitimately say right now that esports is going to be the predominant form of entertainment within the next you know few years. How many years do you give it? I honestly, I think by I think by at least twenty twenty one or twenty twenty two, it's going to surpass pretty much everything else because it's global. It doesn't. As soon as as soon as shoutcasters, and this is the primary issue right now, as soon as shoutcasters figure out how to actually communicate the game to people that don't know anything about it, like even if it's just very basic to get them hyped about what's actually occurring on the screen to understand that when you're at that level of play, you know, when you're down like to just like one HP and you have like one, like you have like a percent to succeed and like actually survive kill you know get the win secure it be clutch 
uh, when they understand how to convey that to someone that understands nothing that's happening on the screen, then it's just going to take over completely. Um, right now, you already see it like start like taking over, like in the sense of like if you look at like League of Legends finals, like taking over viewership of like the NFL, like Super Bowl and the NBA finals, you know, um, to the point like I love the NBA. Um, my wife's family has all played like college ball as well. And so like I've loved watching it. I love, you know, going outside playing um, to the point where like last year I was choosing like the League of Legends, you know, like gameplay over watching like the finals because I kind of already knew who was going to be in the finals. Uh, it did surprise me at the end of the day when like the Raptors snuck their way in. But it, you already see that trend occurring. Um, so that's probably my one, number one prediction is that the main source of entertainment for like sports is going to be esports. whether or not that's going to be, you know, a mixture of them, or if it's just going to be one predominant one, you know, we have to see, uh, cause Dota two has always been around, you know, CSGO has been around for a while. Uh, league of legends is, you know, really pioneering that field Fortnite is as well. Uh, overwatch is kind of faltering to be honest. Um, but there's so much investment there that they have to make it work. Right. Um, right. so that's like you know, my number one prediction is that esports will be the predominant like form of entertainment worldwide you know within like the next few years like by 2022 i think it's going to be consistently higher than pretty much any other regular sports we have because uh, it doesn't require you to it doesn't require you to really like be super engaged like in the sense of like you know having to understand everything about basketball or having to understand everything about football and having like that super duper loyalty to just that one sport uh and it doesn't have an age barrier right most people drop off from watching sports you know once they get older um and even like people in, like younger as well um so it has like it just has wide span demographics for their audiences um number two i really think the support structure around it is just going to continue to grow so that the money in there is going to, I think it's going to create a little bit of a bubble. I think you're seeing that right now with how much investment is going into there. Uh, but once that settles, it's going to be a really good industry to get in, you know, whether or not you're trying to be a professional gamer inside of it, or whether or not you're trying to be like on the support side, you know, on the operations, you know, being in finance, you know, accounting, marketing, sales, whatever. Um, I think it's going to be a really good thing. And I think a lot of people are going to be able to be like, oh, I'm in a passionate you know, field that I love because it's around gaming. Um, and number three, I really think that esports probably has the best opportunity to finally translate what happens in Europe. Like when you look at football and by football, I mean soccer. Okay. Um, where they have a can academies from where they're really young all the way up to whether or not, you know, they're actually going to get into like a pro league. I think that's probably going to happen with esports, where we're going to be able to start having, you know, like programs catered around, you know, kids that are showing really good promise. Um, especially since there's still kind of like that notion that you're really good at games from, you know, young age until like you hit like 25. I honestly think that that's bullcrap i think faker you know really shows it and i still like i still play really well too um so maybe i'm a little bit biased there but i think you're gonna start seeing like those academies type stuff where people are gonna like kids are gonna start getting scouted um and they're gonna have a pipeline you know to explore into you know having this be a legitimate career uh, i don't really think you can cap out with the amount of games and the ability for pretty much everyone to get on a pc to get on xbox to get on a ps4 what have you um and really be competitive at it 
I mean, it's so much higher. The potential is so much higher than basketball, football, soccer, you know, golf, hockey. You don't have to have the physical attributes. You don't have to be six, five, you know, like you can, you can just be laid up in bed and, you know, end up being one of the better players. There's a guy in League of Legends that's a challenger that plays on his laptop with like the little red dot, you know, from like the old school days, you know, when you're like in middle school and you're borrowing a laptop from like the computer tray. He plays with that. Wow. A League of Legends challenger who's like less than a percent or half a percent of the whole entire, you know, like millions of players does that. That's it's it's going to be huge for people. How can other people connect with you online? Um, yeah. So my socials, uh, go by a gamer, like I go by a gamer tag that I've had since I was a kid. It's molecular, it's at molecular ASG, um, on LinkedIn. It's just Adrian underscore, like Adrian hyphen hyphen Gutierrez. Um, and I work at pipeline, uh, pipeline GG I actually work with a former league of legends pro, uh, Steven Ellis, who is, goes by Snoopy. Um, a lot of people know him and I work with another really big, one of our co-founders is stone mountain 64, really big streamer out there. Um, known for like his commander voice, uh, like, and his, uh, like YOLO series. So, I mean, uh, that's how you can connect with me. Um, I'm pretty wide open, uh, for the most part I work, I work remote. Um, so I'm always by my computer. <laughs> well, thank you, Adrian. We loved having you on Gamers Wanted. Have a good day. It was awesome being here. Thank you, Derek, for the opportunity. You've been listening to Gamers Wanted. If you want to share your story on how gaming has influenced your life, please contact us. We'd love to have you on the show. And if you enjoyed the podcast, be sure to like it or share it. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.